the Professionally Speaking Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Professionally Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan J. Warner, and with me today is Tris Hussey. He's a blog and podcast manager at Medaxo. He is a blog, a published blog and podcast expert. And Tris, we're very happy to have you on. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, thanks, Ryan. It's it's fantastic. You and I connected a while ago about your show. And the last couple of shows really got me thinking about communications and writing. I'm happy to be here and talk and talk writing and communications. <laughs> we can hear it in your voice. And and we're we're so thrilled, yeah, to to have you here. So on that note, you, you kind of let us down that path. Mm-hmm. Let's get right into it. When you think about writing and communication, and especially as a, a published blog writer, and did I, did I read that correctly? Are you, did you win an award for blog writing or do you have an actor? No, well, I was Canada's first professional blogger. Wow. How many years ago was that? That was 2004. In 2004. How did that come to pass? Um, well, this, here's, here's the whole story and actually segues into how I became a better writer. I was working for a market research firm and no one wanted to talk about the things I was really geeky about, like collaboration tools and knowledge management. It's like, you know, I've heard about this blogging thing. I think it might catch on. I'm just going to try it. And that's what I did. It was just literally on a whim. I'm going to start a blog. And I did and connected very quickly with a bunch of other Canadian bloggers. And one of them, like me, was on that early He's a little more entrepreneurial than I was. It's like, hey, business, we can write blog content for you because it was so new. Not a lot of people knew how to do it and knew how to use the systems. And he said, Tris, could you write on stuff? And I said, yeah, sure. Yeah, let's do this. That's how it started. I started writing. I think my first ones were like computer chips, Wi-Fi chips, Ethernet chips. Not very exciting. And it was just summarizing the news. But that's how it all started. And then how did you, I'm just curious, how did, how did you become the first Canadian? Like, how do you know that you're the first Canadian and there were no others? Oh, Cause there's, it was so early on, there weren't very many bloggers and there was no one making money at it. There were really only two of us, uh, Jeremy Wright and myself who were starting to try to make money off of blogging. We can't decide actually who was first. So we both say we were first by mutual agreement. <laughs> Because I was working for him and we were it was like it was it was all like, OK, well, we're both first. And I know it's like it's a tie. But, yeah, it was it was a very small community at that time of people who were writing and publishing blog posts for businesses. It was so new. It was mind blowing to most people that you could actually do it and earn money at it. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued right now. And I'm curious, you know, we'll circle back to how you transitioned to podcasting. But. With regard to the writing, how did you like? What was that experience like for you? Did you when you started writing, blogging? Did you know what you were doing right away? Was it easy for you, or were there any challenges? Was there, was there some uh, you know you were in uh, uncharted territory? It was um it w- it was a struggle at first, and not in a struggle in that it was hard to write. I had kind of been after some really bad experiences writing, going through university and grad school. People said, hey, you know, I like the way you put that on various websites because I used to develop websites. What was hard was developing actually good blog posts. Because my first blog post, and I tell this to everyone who wants to start a blog, okay, your first blog post is going to suck. And it's in my books. Your first blog post will suck. And it was something like, hey, today there was a link uh, I read about a new collaboration tool. I think it was cool. That was it. That was like my first blog post. So what it took was reading a lot of other people 
and developing a voice and a style. And it just took time. It just took putting in the reps and reading a lot of other people and different kinds of blogs and getting involved in the community that let me hone a style in writing. And then later I actually put some effort into learning how to write better, like reading books on writing and things. (laughs) You know, your blog writing is, is unique as well because it's, it's not exactly like they don't teach it to you in school. No. Like it's not like essay writing. It's not formal writing. It's not journaling. It's more like it's almost like extreme conversational tone and meant to be brief, direct, give some value and hopefully some humor along the way. Um, but it's, it's I find it really intriguing, the, the whole blog posting, the whole blogging scene, because it takes it's, it's a craft in itself. It was it was a very different way of writing. And when I have taught people how to blog, because I also helped other people be professional bloggers. For one of the first things I said is like, okay, all you know, all those rules your English teacher told you about how you're supposed to write and structure stuff. Okay, forget it. Use good grammar. And after that, everything's out the window because some of the rules don't apply um, just because of the way people read screens. Like remember if and you as an English professor and writing essays, you there's that rule of thumb, a paragraph should be about five sentences, right? Mm-hmm. That five to seven, five yeah. to that. Okay. That's too long for a blog post. It should be like two or three. And if you're going into a fourth, your paragraph's too long because people will just glaze over it, reading it online, just the way people read. And you use a lot more bullet points and you're a lot, you are a lot more casual and less formal and more conversational. But the thing that I've found is I think in even professional writing, people expect that now there is, there's been a change in how white papers and eBooks and marketing content is written that I think people don't want the formal essay style. I think like um, Keith and Rebecca talked about this on from Tall Small, giving the third grade book report style of present presentation. Well, I think it's also the third grade book report style of writing. And I think that isn't as compelling as it used to be. I think we need to help people change how they write. And I really don't think schools are doing a good job at helping people do that, set them up for success. Well, more on that in a minute. Okay. But but let's talk about, yeah, no, I I completely agree with you. As I'm I'm thinking, as I'm speaking, I completely agree with you that it's not effective um, as far as communication style, what students, most students are being set up for today and especially in high school, right. And they're, they're getting taught, the, <clears throat> excuse me, the different forms of writing, like, you know, poetry and things like this. And for the very, very small percentage, it might be useful, but for the, by and large, for the most folks out there who are going into you know, the professional workplace, that poetry and, and other forms of writing is not going to be effective. It's not desirable. And even the old five paragraph essay is not desirable. What is desirable is is brevity, is uh, conciseness, right? It, getting to the point and making a case for yourself quickly, because uh, time is money in in the workplace, right? But I, I'm curious, yeah, about how you have evolved from. I don't even know if "evolved" is the right word, but transitioned, let's say, from writing and being, you know, in in the blog world and teaching it and all these things into podcasting what was that like when did you first get into podcast so that was about the very same time um my first marriage ended around the same time i became a professional blogger around towards the end of that 2004 and when i moved into a new place i didn't have a car 
And if I wanted to go get groceries, I had to walk to the store and it was about half an hour and I was bored. And a lot of my friends who were blogging were also, were also nascent podcasters. It was it was a new media. So I bought a little digital recorder and I said, well, I'm just going to podcast like I blog. I'm going to take find figure out a topic I want to talk about and do it while I walk. And that's how I started. It was the walkabout podcast. So it was a natural transition because especially in the early days of blogging and social media, podcasting and blogging were very much intertwined. If you had a big blogging meetup, there's always a podcasting section. Podcasting hadn't even become anywhere close to mainstream like it is now where there are like, well, I'm a podcaster. It's like, well, we all used to be kind of the same. And that's how it started. Yeah. 2005 is when I first started podcasting. Well, then I'm just thinking again, I, I know that the research says about three to 4% of people are both speakers and writers. Like mm -hmm. they're, they're comfortable and proficient, equally proficient in both. Uh, but it's, it's very rare. Like most people are one or the other. Uh, so you fall into that category from what you're telling me that you, cause for me, speaking has always been uh, my forte. The words come to me in, in odd listening too. It's far better listener than I'm a reader. Um, and despite the fact that I have multiple books out, uh, that, that was a challenge for me. To me, when people ask me what's my greatest accomplishment, I always say writing the effective presenter because that was it was a tall order. It was a Mount Everest for me. Uh, speaking was no problem, but the writing, I just kept thinking it over in my head, changing the structure, changing the, the, the vocabulary, the word choice it took, it, you know, I kept going back and forth, but if, if you're able to do both to write blog style and then walk and do a podcast, I mean, Tris, you, you gotta be like a multi multi-millionaire by now. I wish, I wish I was a multi multi-millionaire. <laughs> if I had stayed podcasting, if I kept the walkabout podcast, I kept the Walkabout podcast going. It would be one, you know, one of the the few original podcasts around. Maybe I would be a multimillionaire. I wish. I actually will echo your your experience for writing your book, The Effective Presenter, and the first book I wrote, which was uh, six blogging projects you can start today. Easy blogging projects you can start today. It was terrible. My publisher, I thought, was going to drop me because I ran, I did the whole, the whole book. And I had this idea that each chapter could stand alone. So I repeated huge chunks of what I was doing. It was kind of like a recipe book. It's like, okay, well, you want to make a pie? Cool. So, so do you want to make this kind of pie? But I would start off with, well, here's how you make a crust in every single chapter. And the, and the publisher was like, no. And in parentheses, you idiot. That is not how you write a book. And I had to go back and restart it. And if it wasn't, I think my first real, oh, this is how you're supposed to write was working with the copy editors and technical editors at Pearson who published my first book and figuring working with really good editors helped me become a better writer. Cause like, oh, that's, that is better. And learning the things like a real, a really good editor, once they've, if they've touched your writing, you actually shouldn't be able to tell. You should just read it. I was like, what did you change anything? And they're like, oh yeah. Yeah. I rewrote a ton, but I rewrote it as you. So you don't even notice that experience was really eye opening for me. And I think set me up to, to improve my writing overall. The thing is not everyone can write a book, 
so that that gets goes through that process of a publisher and a copy editor and a technical editor. So there's other ways you got to do it, which luckily there are. (laughs) So, so tell us what are some, yeah. What are some of the, the strategies or the tips that you learned from working with these copy? Our listeners are, I'm sure they're dying to improve their reading and their writing skills. Well, one of the, one of the things like you, you, you mentioned it's being brief and concise and getting to the point and not starting off your email with a lot of fluff and things. I always say, I'm always polite when I was like, Hey, how are you doing? I hope your summer was good. Just to, just cause it's, I'm come on I'm Canadian. We, we have to be polite when we start off an email, mm-hmm. but getting right to the point, here's what I'm thinking about. And you don't hedge around. If you need an answer to a question, it's like, I need an answer to this. And I need your input and I need it by this time and use very clear language. And I think a lot of people try and I read this all the time in people writing blog posts. They try to recreate that high school, college, university essay as a blog post and that formal, very stiff language. And you can you can almost hear them as they're writing they're they're trying to use all the big words. But that's not even how people think. One of the tools I use a lot, it's called Hemingway, Hemingway app. And one of the things it lets you do is you copy and paste your text into it and it gives it a, what is the reading level of your text? It also highlights complex sentences and things that are hard to read and passive voice. I think, it, I, I think it has a spell check, but that's not what I use it for. But it's the grade reading level that is really key, which everyone when they're writing should aim for a grade eight or grade nine reading level. And that does not mean you're talking down to people. It just means it's really easy to read and digest. There's no confusion about what you're talking about. So if you're writing something and you paste it in and it's like, well, this is a grade 12, 13 reading level. That's a hint. You're trying too hard that you're making it more complex than you need to to get your point across. And I think there's if I there's two books that I highly recommend. Well, I guess three. Strunk and White's Elements of Style is that that guidebook. It's like, how do I do this? What's the difference between effect and affect? The Elements of Style is that great guidebook. But then um, Writing Without Bullshit by Josh Bernoff is amazing because it's all about how to write better and more effective emails, marketing materials, the whole gamut of work writing. It's very focused on writing. The other one that I think is fantastic and it's a really great read is Stephen King's On Writing. And beyond that dive into it's like, so how do you come up with these crazy ideas? And it's almost like, do we really even want to know? It's fascinating. He talks about his writing process and his editing process and the things he does. Like every time he edits, he cuts 10% of the text. And if you, if you do that, eventually you get rid of all the fluff. And you, and you do, mm-hmm. as he says, you kill your darlings. Like if you have that turn of phrase, it's like, oh, that's lovely. Oh, that's so clever. Chances are you're going to wind up having to kill it because it's just not necessary. It's just fluff. Yeah. 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 And then once for the things like all of us have bad writing habits. Mine is starting with the word with starting with so comma, blah, 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 blah. It's almost as soon as I type. So I like and the next few words is like, oh, crap. I go back and I delete the so and I I work on the sentence again because it's it's a bad habit. It doesn't add any extra anything extra. Most of the time, and you delete it. 
those are my tips. Okay. That's no, those are, those are, are good tips, but uh, is there anything, let's say, so a lot of our listeners, uh, they're in the workplace and they're in various positions in the hierarchy and in different organizations and that, and I'm sure that they receive hundreds of emails a day and teams messages, Slack messages, you name it. If they want to be improve their email writing, what can they, what can they do aside from removing the so's and the that's? After removing all your so's and all your that's, it comes back to, again, being clear, which also means being real and being human. Don't hide your writing with what you think is a formal, this formal style and being a professional that makes it, it takes it long, it takes you longer to get to the point. You get right to the point. Everyone's busy. I've even had recommend, you know, people suggest you write the the topic and the ask right in the subject line, you know, topic, be a guest on the transit unplugged podcast need to hear by Thursday that really right up front. So people just know, and that I think helps a lot, but the other thing, and I think it was actually, I think it's the people at Slack have a, when you're reading Slack messages, team messages, emails, when there's a bit of confusion, and you you're you're kind of annoyed at what they wrote because you think they're angry at you or they're saying something It's always trying to assume good intentions first. And they have an acronym, which I can never remember. But that is really important, both when you're writing and when you're reading. So you're reading that you're writing this and going, could this be misinterpreted? Do I need to say it a little differently? Do I need to maybe at that point? elaborate a little bit more and it's same thing with teams and when you're reading it's like okay ryan sent me this message it sounds like he thinks i'm a jerk and he's angry with me that never happened well no and, and but that's exactly it right we've all gotten those slack and teams message from a colleague and we're like what what i'm gonna if i were there i would strangle ryan and then you think wait a minute i don't think he meant what i thought and that's really key in, in communicating and writing, especially today when we're so it's asynchronous, we're typing and you don't get to see people and you don't we don't pick up the virtual phone and call on teams very often to clarify something. And sometimes that's there's nothing better than that. But that is key. You, know, you just you, you be yourself, you be clear, you outline the ask really early in whatever you're communicating and then you kind of get into the details. It's almost like the journalistic reverse pyramid where you, the meat of what you need to know is right in the top, right in the beginning. And then as you as you go down the pyramid, it's more detailed. Yeah. And just to, I guess, uh, piggyback's not the right word, but just to clarify a little bit and expand on the what you said about the subject line, I, I completely agree. And the, the idea that I've always, or that I shouldn't say I've always, but I've learned is the key role is that in the subject line, when you say, be a guest on the professionally speaking podcast need to hear from you by Thursday or something to that effect. Right. Some people, uh, they have the reason they don't do it is because they think that they have a better chance of getting a response if they use a different headline and then it's going to force the, you know, uh, the receiver to, to read through it. And then, then they'll be persuaded to join when in reality, if they weren't going to join from the headline, they're not going to join from after reading three paragraphs of how great the podcast is. Right. Right. 
Yeah. Like they're just going to be annoyed that you waste their time because they could have told you, no, I'm going to be out of town that week or what, you know, they could have just done that more quickly, but now they've had to do this extra work, this uh, rigmarole all to circle back and end up at the same spot. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. The too clever by half is, is, well, it's, it's my, as I love puns and making and wordplay. I kind of think of it as like, is writing actually, it's like exercise for writing for me is, is, doing all those kinds of things and making subject lines that are too clever by half, especially when you're going emailing someone who you don't know. And so mm-hmm. isn't like Ryan, if I emailed you and there was a pun in the subject line, you would groan, but you would know, well, that's the way Trist is. And you'd probably open it. The other thing, it's the same thing with the title of a blog post. Um, my friend, Rob Cottingham, who's out here in Vancouver, wrote a brilliant blog post that uh, we'll have to find so you can put in the show notes. And the, the title is, your title is a promise. And same thing with the subject line. The title of your blog post, the subject line of your email, it's a promise to your reader. This is what I'm going to talk about. Right there. And if you don't follow through on the promise, people are disenchanted. They're like, oh, well, that was a waste. I was mm. expecting the top 10 tips for making a million dollars in a day. This mm. is none of that. That is a, a key piece of writing and thinking about writing that people forget. Because because exactly like you say, we get hundreds, if not thousands of emails a day. We read most of them, but a lot of them we just, you know, oh, delete, 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 delete. Mm-hmm. And why do we delete? Because they're like, oh. Yeah, I'm not interested. Or yeah, I know that's always boring or whatever. If you want to be read, you got to build that connection. And that connection starts with the subject line. And then from there, it starts in with being engaging, just being a person, regular person writing regular words. Fantastic. Uh, So Tris, I'm, I'm sure, like I said, you've done your fair share of writing and reading emails, blog posts, pretty much everything literary except for uh, the great american novel but yeah tell us got a, got a few ideas <laughs> that's it yeah the, the clock hasn't struck midnight right. yet uh but uh, yeah tell us uh what what's have you ever seen an example of poor writing oh yeah that you could share with us? i could yeah, can i can um i will give you i will give you three examples oh it's our lucky day it. so and two of them are from me Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so that your listeners go like, well, he says he's a good writer. It's like, ah, but you know, wait. So the first one was in grad school. Um, first year of grad school, university of Maine. And it was in the, the department, big department seminar that all of us first years had to take. We were, it was with the chair that year and he gave us our first exam. And like at grad school, all of your exams are take home exams, open book, blah, blah, blah. You, you go right on the topic research and et cetera. So we did, did our exams, turned them all in, came in the next class. He sat on the edge of the desk. I'll never forget that. I mean, I can still picture it. He's sitting on the edge of the desk, arms crossed. And he goes, okay, all but one of you failed. And this is like in a class of 20, 25 people. We all failed. And we're all looking at him like, what, 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 what wait a minute, what, what just happened? And then I'm, I'm always wondering who passed. I still don't know who to this day who passed. And he said, okay, this right, I don't know what you learned in college, but all of your writing is terrible. This is awful. You, everyone go buy a copy of Strunk and White's Elements of Style and rewrite this and return it in. And then I'm going to grade that. And I think, I mean, I did okay on the next one. I probably got a B or something like that. 
And it should that should have been the light in my head to go like, hmm, I'm not nearly as good of a writer as I think I am. But it didn't, because when it came time to write my thesis with my advisor, it was awful. My thesis, my master's thesis, which was a defended thesis in science, was never published in a peer-reviewed journal because my writing and how I approached writing and everything around with it was so bad that my professor and my advisor and I just gave up. We could not stand reading it anymore. And I spent, I think, the next 10 years after that, well, maybe five, five to eight years after that, thinking I was a terrible writer when the real when the reality was I wasn't a necessarily a, that terrible a writer, but I hadn't been practicing and I hadn't been getting feedback, which is what is really missing. You don't get safe feedback on your writing, which brings to the third with my third example. I was working for a company um, that does SMS technology a long time ago, and they're based in Croatia. So everyone who is sending me things to read for their blog, it was English as a second language and they learned it in university. And their their English is amazing. I don't speak any of the foreign languages I've learned nearly as well as they speak English uh, as, as they did. So the, I read this blog post and I could understand it. It was good, but it was super long and I pasted it in the Hemingway and it was like grade 13. And I was like, oh, wow. Wow. And that experience was another one of those watershed moments. It's like, okay, got to help people realize they don't have to write so formally. And especially for people who are, who've learned English as a second language. When you learn it in school, you learn all the formal stuff, but you don't learn enough of the informal stuff. And then the rest of us who speak English as, as native speakers, and we've gone through school we get we still get caught up in the formal stuff, but we've been exposed to more of informal stuff. So it's a little easier to make the switch. And that that's that was my experience. And but the thing about the person's blog post that was so it was absolutely it was dead on accurate, extremely well written. It could have been a university paper, but it was not a good blog post. The thing that with the next step was being gentle about editing and not making it about them and not making it about any of their um, anything about their writing. It wasn't personal. Okay. Let's, I love the blog post. Okay. Let's make it, let's, let's make this easier to read. Let's tighten this up. It needs to be a little shorter. Here are some tricks I've not learned. I'm going to, let me take a pass and make it a safe experience. I know that's an overused term, but people feel so personal about their writing. I think you have to, I think you have to make it not be, everyone's already caught up on like, I'm a terrible writer. And it means I'm not a smart person. I've met so many people who feel that way. And that's not, you have to help people through that and make it easy and safe to edit and make it a better post. And that, that's, that's really, for me, helping other people write, that's what it's all about. All right. Fantastic. Thanks for uh, dropping that little bit of uh, wisdom on us, Tris. We, we appreciate it. And um, on our, on our, you know, your time is very valuable. We really appreciate it. We're winding down here. Can you tell us, we ask every guest this, um, what would you tell an 18 year old, 19 year old Tris Hussey? If you could go back and tell him one thing. Yeah. Thusly is not a good word to use in any, any paper ever. Thusly. Thusly. Wow. Was it rhyming? Were you trying nope. to rhyme with Hussey? Nope. Like, okay. No, no, no. It was, um, that, that it comes down to knowing what I know now is really focused on 
relaxing about writing and writing more closely how I how you how I speak and being clear and not trying to mask it in long, complex sentences and things like that. I think I would have been done a lot happier back then. And by Apple awesome. stock, that would have been really good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would uh, that would have been important. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been good. You maybe in reverse flip that order around. Yeah, maybe Apple stock. <laughs> You know, you you won't need to write as much if you if you got like you know. No, if if I bought if I if I put a few hundred dollars in Apple stock in 1987, be a whole different world. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Tris, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Uh, We really appreciate it. And uh, any last words we can give our listeners? No, it 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 was great being on here, Ryan. And just just remember, everyone can be a good writer. You just have to practice. You just have to write and let go. And it'll be good. There you have it from the uh, Canada's first professional blogger, from a, a published author, and from the manager of uh, a prestigious podcast. Was it, is it Medaxo? It, no, it's, it's Transit. Transit Unplugged. Unplugged is the podcast uh, brought to us, brought to you by Medaxo. It's all about public, public transit. Oh, I nailed it both. Okay, I yeah. just didn't uh, have the pieces in the right spot, but okay. Yeah, thanks again, Tris, for coming on. And Very for welcome. all you listeners out there, we wish you success in your future speaking endeavors. Hi, this is Ryan. If you're a fan of this podcast, you might also like my book, The Effector Presenter. In my book, I've distilled my years of experience teaching in universities, giving keynotes around the world, and presenting at various institutions into real-life actionable tips that you can use to level up your career and your success. My book is available on Amazon. It's available in Kindle and print formats, also on Audible. It's available everywhere books are sold. Look for the link in the show notes. And if you're interested in connecting with me, It's www.ryanjwarriner.com. That's ryanjwarner.com. Please feel free to get in touch. I'd be happy to chat, happy to reach out, see if we can level up your team, your department, or your organization. 